Boom. What is up? Welcome back to another episode of the Draft Duo podcast. I know a lot of you have been following our travels over the last week. Myself and Jaxie travelled essentially all the south of Western Australia. Clocked up 2,000 kilometres in the trusty Jeep and we are back now. Luckily for Jaxie, he has gone over to Sydney on a work trip. So he actually left yesterday. He's gone for the week. So it is just myself here today. But the show will go on nonetheless. For today's podcast, I'm going to switch it up a bit. Maybe it's because I don't have Jaxie to tell me no, but I find the layout of the previous podcast good, give a serious amount of information, but it's very long. And I want to condense it down, and I think I have a productive way. Now, your feedback is very, very important to us, so we will do what gives best benefit or the greatest benefit to the viewers. We have changed it up over the first couple of weeks and we're just trying to find our feet on what is the best actual format to produce the podcast in. Now, next week I will be putting up a survey and linking it to the podcast so that we can get the feedback from people firsthand about number of uh, managers in the leagues and time for a podcast and what you prefer. So please, please, when I do share that, I'd be greatly appreciative if you could fill it out because it gives us a serious amount of information about well, first of all, what draft players are doing and what they're doing. Are they doing half seasons or full seasons? Or is there trading or is there not trading? It'd be very good to figure that out and apply it to the podcast. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to go from the bottom to the top of the fixture ticker for the next five game weeks. And I'm going to go through the key points for the teams that are relevant. So I'm not going to go through all 20 teams in a row. I'm going to go through, let's say, Chelsea are bottom. So we're going to start with Chelsea and talk through their assets and how I'd rank them and maybe possible waiver pickups. Now, if I don't talk about the team directly, I would probably mention them at some point. So if I go over a team and say we'll talk about it in the waivers, the main key bulk of what I want to talk about based on that team will be on the player that I've placed in the waivers. So we're probably going to go through majority of teams and majority of players that are going to be relevant in the draft. Because we know in the draft that there's so many more players to actually assess and pick from. So we're going to have to go through a lot of them. We're trying to make it as clear and concise and as productive for you, the listener. If you like today's layout of the podcast, please give us a shout. We always look for feedback and we want to make we want to make it the easiest and most concise way for you to get all the facts and figures that you need to know for this game week and future game weeks. Before I go into that format... I want to talk about something that's very, very important in FPL. And I think it's one of the most important things. So if you're thinking about skipping to the waivers or skipping to the teams, this could be more important than any decision that you make for now and the rest of the year. It's about FPL psychology. I always think about this. And I think it's kind of more in the front of my brain now because next week we're going on a podcast, myself and Jaxie, called Chasing the Upside Podcast. And it's about FPL, but it's also about a kind of deeper look at FPL. Not just who's good this week and who's good next week and who you're going to put captain. But about your whole relationship and the game itself and how you interact with the game. And I think it's so important. And I just want to reiterate how important that is with a couple of stories so that you can make better decisions. Or even if you've made a bad decision, you can make a better one after it. They always say in football, don't make two mistakes on a row. And I think that can happen a lot of the time in FPL because we kind of lose the run of ourselves and we want to gain points so quickly that we just want to do something different. But why it's so important is because the game changes so quickly. It doesn't only change so quickly from week to week, but during the game week as well. There's so many ups and downs. And for myself, over the last two years, I think I've been able to manage the highs and lows a lot better. And I think that's so important when you want to make good sensible decisions an example of this was like two years ago i think this is when it started for me and i was looking at a content creator and he was tipping bone and in my heart i wanted someone else i forget who it was but i went with bone and bone didn't return that week but the other player did and i remember for the full week i complained why did i go with him i should have went with me gut i should have picked him I, i could have more eight more points i would have been at 200k rather than 400k something like that and the following week Bone proceeded to score and the other player didn't and Bone went on this crazy run and I didn't say nothing 
I was just very happy that I had him. And I realized that that whole week that I was complaining about Bowen was totally irrational and it was a waste of time. I think we do that an awful lot. We always think about who we could have had and what we should have had and where we would have been if we had the other player. But if we zoom out with FPL, it's always about making the right decisions and sticking with them. You have to assess everything over 5 or 10 game weeks. Even if you just assess it from match to match, you're going to be up and down. And that takes a lot of energy out of you and it changes your your decision making. I think we want to enjoy a game week. I'm not saying don't get excited or, or mad if a player scores or doesn't score. But I think them highs and lows, as I said, take a lot of energy. And our decision making process fluctuates throughout the game week. And I think we should always just reassess in the middle of the week and see what we think now. During the game week, everyone wants to transfer in Ollie Watkins and so on and so forth. But we have to really assess what's best for our team throughout the week. There's an awful lot of noise around content creators at the minute. Not the draft. There's very little that do the draft, but the big content creators for normal fantasy. Because they're not doing so well, everyone's kind of giving out. And I think people are very quick to give out to content creators when they go wrong, but when they go right, they don't say don't say anything. Just like I did with the bone. Didn't say anything when it went right. I was like, okay, I'm glad I actually listened to him. Now, that doesn't say that you can never make decisions with your heart or your gut, because those are the best ones. But it's about the decision-making process, and I think this is what this kind of idea goes back to, about the process. We look at three things, fixtures, eye test, and stats. And if they tick all them three boxes, I really don't care what happens after it, because they had the draft your trifecta. They had the three things that we were looking for when we assess a player as to how they might get on in the next couple of game weeks. Now, I still want to make decisions with my gut. Don't always have to be robotic. But we have to accept that if we make a decision based on poor judgment, we can't get upset at the result. So if you want to go for a player based on your gut, 100% go for it. But if there's none of these stats or fixtures or anything to back it up and it doesn't go right, you can't be mad at yourself. The same way as I won't be mad if I suggest a player and it doesn't work out because I've looked at the key components that I think are good when choosing a player. Now, if you're making decisions and they're not going right, well, you have to come back and assess at the end of that whole process, why did you make that decision and then learn from it in the future? So although it's a game of statistics and understanding, it's also about managing your emotions and not making rash decisions on the back of another rash decision. So I suppose we'll probably go into more detail on that podcast, but I think that's I think I needed to remind myself of that because segueing into the actual bulk of the podcast, we're going to talk about waivers and suggestions. And one question we had last week was about Jacob Ramsey. Jake Baranzi banged this week and we said don't get him in and if I go back on that decision and I, th- I think I overthought about it I was like oh my god I can't believe I didn't say to go for Ramsey but when I look back there was other options Decore, Gordon they all returned that we thought were, we knew we were going to start we knew Ramsey wasn't going to start he played 33 minutes and scored a banger perfect now we assess and go forward from, from there so like myself as it probably will be the same for you. If you miss out on a player, don't get too upset and say, I'm never going back to Jacob Ramsey or never going back to someone else just because they kind of hurt you. Reassess. Are they now a better option? Which we see with Ramsey, he definitely is. He's going to, he's essentially played his way into the team and they have some fantastic fixtures coming up. So I just wanted to reiterate myself that if I went back and assessed that decision that I made, Well, he was 75% flagged. He wasn't going to start and there was other options. I'd still make the same decision. So if you can live with the fact that, you know, something didn't go your way, managing them emotions and making better, consistent decisions in the future is how you're going to improve at FPL. Following on from that, I'm going to answer the first question. As I run through these teams from bottom to top, I'm going to integrate the questions that are asked based on the team at that time so we can also discuss Chelsea and their fixtures but also apply the question that has been asked that might actually answer a couple of questions for other people too. Before I start there has been a question kind of based on what I was talking about the psychology said hey guys love the podcast my team has been underperforming I would appreciate any advice you guys can give me 
I'm in an airman league and the team is Martinez, Flecken, Trent, Kanji, Gabriel, Cash, Colwell, Madison, Bruno, Embuemo, Eze, Sabajlai, Jesus and Pedro and Jackson. What I would say to Kyle who sent it in is patience. Now, obviously, we know that Eze is injured for the foreseeable future. You'd be looking to some of the waivers at the end of the podcast to help improve in that position. But to me, on paper, that looks like a fantastic team. And the best thing about this team is that a lot of these players are going to be high up on the fixture ticker that we're going to be talking about. The likes of Martinez, Trent, Cash, Madison, Bruno, Embuemo is not bad. A lot of these players, I think, inevitably will return in the future. So don't jump ship and just because your team isn't performing now doesn't mean it won't in the future. I think you have a lot of high-value assets there and I wouldn't go trading them too quickly just because they're not performing now. Eze, obviously, number one to get out because he's injured. And Pedro, obviously, rotating, but you have two other very good forwards there. So there's no point throwing Pedro away for nothing. Apart from that, it looks fantastic. I know Caldwell has a couple of tough fixtures, so I suppose we'll talk about Chelsea straight away. Bottom of the fixture ticker. They are playing the likes of Arsenal, Spurs, City, Newcastle in the next six. One of the questions was about Chilwell. Well, I think that's fairly simple. Chilwell has to go. He's injured for two months. It's very, very unfortunate for Chilwell owners. At the start of the year, I think he would have thought you got a fantastic asset there, but it just has not gone the way of Chilwell in terms of anything minutes returns and now injuries so if I was looking to improve that team Caldwell although he's playing Burnley this week which will be a great one week punt I would probably be looking to improve Caldwell over the next couple of weeks they play Arsenal Spurs City Newcastle which are not very favorable fixtures in terms of defense so I would be looking to try and rotate Caldwell for any defender on the waiver, which we will get to at the end. In terms of Chelsea overall, they're playing Burnley, so any of the players that I'm going to mention will be good weak punts. But they might go as far as being three weak punts. So Arsenal after that, and then Brentford. Now, Arsenal tough fixture in there, Brentford not as tough as we as we know over the last couple of game weeks. So if you pick up one of these players, they're not a bad option for the next three weeks. Now the after that they go into a very very tough run of fixtures it depends how Chelsea are are set up at that time have they continued to improve and if they have maybe you want to keep them long term but a lot of these players will be one week punts some of the players that are available and will be good options Mudrick and we had another question in by Jizz Lines is it time for Mudrick and I think it is I know he only got 45 minutes I think there was a little niggle there but he played very well chill well out He looks like he's got a bit of confidence back. I've heard he's been working very, very hard off the pitch. And I think Poch is preferring him now left wing. Good that uh, Chelsea also got a win, which might influence the team going forward. I know Sterling was left out, but apparently that was just endless. So I wouldn't get too worried about, let's say, the lack of Sterling. If you have him, don't go mad and go trading him for nothing just because he didn't start. Other options that we have are Gallagher. Enzo, Cucurella and Palmer. All of these should be heavily available on the waiver. As always, Enzo's racking up very good numbers. We're going to talk about him a bit in the waivers. I think it was 0.54 expected goal involvements. It's just inevitable that he's going to return over the next couple of game weeks. He can't keep racking up these numbers and not getting returns. So I put him behind Mudrick. Him and Gallagher kind of on the same wavelength in terms of availability and how badly I'd want them. Enzo has the, the the bonus of set pieces, but Gallagher's getting fairly high forward. When Caicedo plays, Gallagher is a lot more advanced. He should have or could have had two assists at the weekend, but the only issue is that Caicedo came off injured at the end. So if Caicedo's not there, Gallagher will have to drop a bit deeper, so I'd probably have Gallagher below Enzo. Cucurella played right back for the suspended Gusto. So, Cucurella this week because Gusto is still um, suspended is a good option. And then we have Palmer. Palmer got the assist, played decent and might be up for another start at the weekend. I know he probably got the nod over Sterling and Sterling might be back, but Broja also went off injured. So, probably be a lot of changes at that uh, Chelsea side if Broja is not there and Sterling has to come back and Jackson has to come back. So, I put Palmer down 
at the bottom, but some very good options to attack that Burnley game. Moving up the list, Man City are second bottom of the fixture ticker. Now, City lost the weekend. I think that's just going to be a bit of a, a freak and it's going to move on. But they do have some very tough fixtures. There was a question in about having two City defenders and do you get rid of one? I definitely think you get rid of one. I know even at the best of times they are good at the back, but the double up in the City defence, I have it in one of my drafts. It's just not working this year. So they're highly valuable. I would be probably trying to trade that defender and up upgrade even in midfield um, if you wanted to do a double trade and get a, a better midfielder and a poorer defender might be a good option problem with City is that a lot of them players that we said are injured are coming back that spell where City were just nailed on is probably coming to an end Bernardo Silva is 75% might be worth a pick up if you're looking for someone Stones is 75% I know it's a while away but KDB is back in December Rodri is suspended for the next game but will be back after that so in a week or two when they hit them hard fixtures there is going to be a lot of options so I'd be kind of steering clear of City I couldn't predict who's going to start and who's going to be productive and we know the rotation in the City side so I wouldn't be looking at anyone too hot at City I'd be probably looking to trade a couple of them because I don't like having the headache of whether they will start or whether they won't Moving up the list to the next relevant team, it's Everton. So I think they're fourth and bottom. I would avoid. I've tipped a couple of Everton players over the course of the season. And I've, I have really believe that they're a good option that week. But they just keep letting you down. So bad at clean sheets. Even though they have a 38% chance at a clean sheet this week. So if you want to go against my advice and just go with your statistics, I suppose. 38% chance. The likes of Young and uh, Tarkowski and all them. Could be options if you want to go for this but personally i'm avoiding everton i do have one option that we'll talk about in the waivers but apart from that they're just too hot and cold they're going to let you down especially in defense same with luton i would avoid them now after that double game week there was a couple of good options that we picked um Dowie got i think eight points um Ogbeni now seems to be starting right wing and played very well problem is he's down as a striker but again if you're looking for a playing striker and maybe a 12 or 14 man league Ogbeni could be a good option but in general apart from Morris I would be avoiding them because they don't have great fixtures and they're not a good side moving up the list we have Nottingham Forest and although they're relatively close to the bottom I don't think these fixtures long term are as bad as they seem if we talk about the main players for Forest it's still the same Awoni is the man I know Alanga got the start and played okay. Callum Hudson and Doys on freeze. But there's so much rotation. Dominguez, Sangare, uh, Ayinez injured, Ori played right. There's so much. If you look at Forest team of the last five weeks, there's just been so many changes. So the only one I could really bank on is Awoni. And I think because he's blanked in the last two, it's actually a good time to get him. So I'd be looking for a trade for Awoni. I still think he's playing very well. I watched the game and He's still doing a warning things. Prime Lukaku holding up the ball and creating chances. So I think it's going to be a good time to get him. They play Palace and Luton in the next two fixtures, which are two nice ones. Then they have four very tough fixtures, followed by three decent fixtures. So out of the next nine game weeks, they have five. Five decent fixtures that you could attack. And a warning versus five nice fixtures out of nine, I like those odds. As well as... Just because he's playing a tough fixture doesn't mean that he cannot score. He's an absolute animal and defenders are afraid of him. So I think he's actually going to be a great option. The other ones, as I mentioned, Callum Hudson-Odoi on freeze, but not getting like full 90s. Yeah, even Gibbs-White was benched. Now, I think that's only, you know, that's going to be a short-term thing. But there's so much rotation. Alanga, uh, Gibbs-White, Callum Hudson-Odoi, all the players that you think are going to be great options if they played 90 minutes are just being rotated. Now, they have a 27% chance at a clean sheet this week. So if you want to pick up a Nottingham Forest defender, it's not a bad option. I know 27 is cr isn't crazy high and you'll find other teams that have in around 20-something and you think they won't keep a clean sheet. But thing here is, Palace have lost Eze. Eze's out for six weeks, as I mentioned at the start. Edward is also a touch and go for this week. So I think that's going to be increased by like... I'm not going to say 10%, but about 8%. So 
So if you add on 8, that's about a 35% chance at a clean sheet because they've lost one of their best players. Doesn't mean that, obviously, Palace aren't going to score, but I think their attacking threat has been hindered greatly by losing probably their two best attackers this year. So if Eze, well, we know he's definitely out, but if Edward isn't fit for the weekend, I would definitely be looking at a Forest defender because when we look through the Palace team, as we'll see in a while, there's no great shapes there. There's no players that stand out and think he's going to be a threat. So maybe a Forest defender this week might be a shout. Coming on to two of the poorer teams in the Premier League this year, Burnley, no clear options apart from Foster. Played very good again in the second of that double game week. If I'm not picking him, I don't think I'll be picking anyone from Burnley, especially with their fixtures. Sheffield, the same, avoid. They're just the whipping boys of the Premier League this year and there's no clear options. Even Archer, who, again, you think is their only option, with these top fixtures that they have, I just don't see them getting that many returns and there's probably better options on the waiver. Coming on to a team that we've a lot to talk about, Liverpool. Liverpool have a decent run of fixtures. They have Brighton, who have been leaky at the back, so could be a fruitful game for Liverpool in terms of attacking returns. Followed by Everton, Forrest, Luton. You can't ask for much more in them fixtures. If you had Sheffield thrown in there, it'd be ideal. But they have some fantastic fixtures over the next five game weeks. A lot of people are trying to get Salah in a normal because of this. But Salah's going to be taken in the draft. Probably Darwin's going to be taken in the draft. Trent, Robbo, they're all going to be taken. But if you want to get a trade of the line, maybe for a Darwin, it could be a good option. Gakpo and Jota are going to be out for the next two weeks. Gakpo has an injury. I don't think it's as bad as it was... It was initially made out to be, so I think they're looking at like two or three weeks, and Jota is suspended for two weeks. So, the likes of Darwin, the likes of Luis um, Diaz are going to be nailed. And as I said many times, I think Salah, Darwin, Luis Diaz are the best three options for Liverpool. So hopefully they actually, <laughs> this is a United fan saying this, hopefully they actually do well and win, and that kind of cements them as Liverpool's top three, and Gakpo and Jota might be phased back in only problem with these is that i think in like four or five week time they will be phased back in so although these darwin and diaz are great options and i still think they'll play an awful lot for liverpool i don't know how long term nailed they are the likes of salah we know long term is going to play majority of, of games but in five or six game weeks time gakbon jota will get a start here and there but they could be very good short-term options in terms of waiver options, we have a couple, and there's some nice ones. Sabajlai, if you're in like an eight-man league, he's going to be available. And he's racking up some fantastic underlying numbers for Liverpool. Last week, we named out a couple of them. I think it was 0.45 XGI, a couple of shots here and there. He's heavily, heavily involved. Scored a screamer then as well during the week. So Sabajlai would be top of my waiver list for Liverpool. Below that would be Matup. Matup has now kind of cemented his place as a centre-back with Virgil van Dijk. There was talks about Canate and Gomez, but with Trent back, I think it's going to be Trent, Matip, van, de, uh, van Dijk and Rabo. They're kind of main back four that they had throughout them productive years defensively. So Matip is another great waiver option for Liverpool to attack them nice fixtures. Reluctantly, I think McAllister will be on a lot of waivers and he's actually improved his form as well and looks like he'll be a nailed player for Liverpool so hopefully if you get him maybe he can create some stuff from deep like that ball over the top for Darwin Nunez I wouldn't be going too hot on McAllister because he is prone to a yellow card and he's not as attacking as he was for Brighton but if you want some way into the Liverpool team McAllister will probably be available if we move up that fixture difficulty rating ranking I suppose Brighton come up next and although they, though they have two very tough fixtures in Liverpool and City over the next two, after that they have four very good fixtures. So if you want to get a Brighton asset, there's a lot of them, and bench them for the Liverpool City game and hope that they play the next four, that could be an option. Problem is, there's so much rotation. And especially with them not doing as well in the Premier League recently, conceding six to Villa, maybe there'll be even more rotation. Maybe they don't know their best team. And maybe they're getting tired because of Europe and it's actually making a big difference. So one question here is, Ferguson, keep our waiver. Problem with this is that he's a striker. If you ask me this about some of the midfielders, 
maybe the answer would be different. Because he's a striker, he's going to be more valuable. The last two games, Ferguson have played 45 minutes. And I think this, this question actually could go for Joe Pedro as well. What do you do? What do you do with these strikers? Welbeck, I have him. I hate him. I, would, I, I nearly want no one instead of Welbeck just because I don't know if he's going to start and how he's going to get on or whatever. But Ferguson and Pedro are a bit better than that. Now, with them two, I think you keep them. Now, fair enough if you want to waive them and you're sick of not knowing who's going to start. Totally viable. But I think if you bench them for the Liverpool and City game and maybe Brighton's form starts to improve, them four tasty fixtures, you can just start them. And even if they only play 45 minutes, they could return. Even if they only come on for a half an hour against them poor teams, they're probable to return. It's better than waver them out for a player that's at a very, very poor team. That mightn't be nailed. It's getting 60 or 70 minutes at a poor team that starts. I'd rather Ferguson for 45 minutes than someone else playing 70 or 80 minutes for Burnley. So, with Ferguson, I'd probably keep, keep him on the bench. And then for the four fixtures... If your team allows it, and if you're not stuck, I'd start him and just see how he gets on and see does it return. And then after them four fixtures, he could be a different asset altogether. Everyone could want him. Remember a couple of weeks ago, he banged the hat-trick and I seen ridiculous trades go out for him. So, no point selling low. Keep him until he returns and sell high. With Fulham, they have a 45% chance at a clean sheet this week. So, there's a couple of players that I'm going to discuss on the waivers that I'll discuss in more detail when we are there. Moving up the list, we come to Bournemouth. And over the next three fixtures, Bournemouth actually have three nice ones. Three ones that you could see returns in. So they have Everton, Wolves, and then Burnley. Obviously, top of that list, we're going to have Solanke. Solanke is being very productive this year and is nailed for Bournemouth. Even when he was kind of a injury risk, they risk him because they knew they needed him to have any chance of winning the game. I wouldn't mind a trade for Solanke, especially over the next three. Solanke always kind of seems a small bit undervalued to me. I don't know, he just doesn't seem like the most attractive player. I have him in one of my leagues and I love him. But I think when you send out trades for Solanke, just because it's Bournemouth, it's not as attractive. So maybe you can actually get him kind of under the radar a small bit because it's Solanke. If you're looking towards someone on the waiver, there is a couple. Again, they're not the best options. But Billing is on the waiver and will be on a lot of waivers we'll talk about him in the waiver section he does play a bit deeper but he's on set pieces and he's a big dude he can actually get his head on a ball if whipped in by someone else that i have on this tavernier tavernier again with cliver to kind of two rotating players they play like 60 60 odd minutes each so it might be the best options but if you really want some way into that bournemouth side tavernier and cliver will probably be on the waiver but another player that probably better than them two, just below Billing or even with Billing, is Christie. Christie has been playing in like a number 10 role for Bournemouth this year and playing the majority of minutes, averaging around 80 minutes. So if you want someone from Bournemouth, I'd obviously go Slanke, Billing, Christie. And then if you want someone in the attack, it's Tavernier and Clivert. I don't think they're going to keep a lot of clean sheets, but if you really want to go there, Kirkke's left back is actually a good baller and gets relatively far forward, but I probably wouldn't be looking at a Bournemouth defender. Now, as we come to the top of that fixture ticker, we're looking at teams that have good fixtures over the next five game weeks. So although their assets mightn't seem as good, because we're looking at fixtures and we're targeting fixtures first and foremost, well, them assets might actually be more valuable than other assets that you might be think you might think are valuable lower down the league. Because, again, I always like to prioritise fixtures. Back it up with stats, and then if the eye test supports all them two things, fantastic. So next up on the list is Wolves. And although it doesn't really seem like they have the best fixtures, if you take away the hard ones, they have three nice ones. So they have Villa, Bournemouth, Newcastle, Sheffield, Spurs and Fulham. So they've alternating hard, easy, hard, easy fixtures. Villa playing very well this year. Bournemouth can be got at. Newcastle, tough, Sheffield easy. Spurs, tough, Fulham chance at returns so again top of that list we have Neto and I think Neto right now actually is overvalued so if you have him and you see these kind of alternating good fixtures and think that this hot streak might come to an end or might be interrupted I wouldn't mind trading Neto I think you'll get a lot from him at this time again if you're trading for him you'll probably have to give a bit much away to get him in your team if you have him he'd be a nice hold if you want to just play out them fixtures 
another player that we're going to talk about for Wolves will be in the waiver section. Apart from these two players, unless you want to attack maybe Bournemouth and Sheffield defensively, I don't see too many options, unfortunately. So we'll move swiftly on to United. Now, United as a whole are in the mud. They're playing extremely poor and I wouldn't be looking to go and get any of the assets. Actually, on the waiver suggestions, I never mentioned it. The only two players that let us down from the 0 to 25, so the two sections, 0 to 10 and 10 to 25, all the players that we gave last week returned, apart from the United boys. So that's just typically United. We'll let you down, even though the, the fixture looked like it was okay. But if we look at the United fixtures in the long term, they're actually not bad. Brentford, who can be got at? Sheffield, always want to check at them. City in the middle is tough, but they have Fulham, Luton and Everton. So, although I say don't go out and get these, if you have some of these players, I would definitely hold them. The likes of Bruno, Rashi, obviously. Hoyland looks like he's actually going to come into a bit of form. And the likes of Dallow or Varane. If we're looking at them players who had them in your team, don't get too fed up. Even if they don't keep a clean sheet against Brentford, you have the Sheffield game, bench for the City game, and then you have three games in a row that you can play confidently, no matter how United are playing, and just hope the fixture works its magic. Playing Fulham, Luton and Everton, you'd like to get maybe, out of the, the Sheffield, Fulham, Luton and Everton, you might get two clean sheets. If United are on form, you'd be looking at three, possibly four. But two out of four ain't bad for me, so if you have some of these players, I would probably hold them. There is one player that I will mention in the waiver section that could be a pickup for United. But again, no United assets really hot at the minute, so it's just a suggestion. On to West Ham, who are relatively high up the fixture ticker. They have been playing very well, and thank God our boy Thomas Suchek returned. Put him in at the real end of the waiver suggestions last week by accident, and he bangs. As did actually everyone that we suggested for West Ham. Like Zuma, well all the back four. But Soufal, bonus points. Emerson, bonus bonus points. So I'm really, really happy with West Ham lately just because they've been returning for me. I brought in two West Ham players this week, both returned. So yeah, very happy with my West Ham boys. There is one question that can be answered while we talk about West Ham. And the question is, my midfield is Madison, James Ward-Prowse, Grealish, Enzo and Kudos. I feel like I'm carrying and hoping on Grealish, Enzo, Kudos week in, week out, who've all been injured or disappointed. Nobody in my league is willing to trade outside of trash. So looking at that midfield of Madison, fantastic. James Ward-Prowse, fantastic pick going forward. Grealish, yeah, he'll be rotating with Doku, but again, if you're trading him, it's probably not very high-value trade. Maybe if you want to get a starter of an average team for him, possibly. Enzo, very good underlying numbers and playing Burnley. So kudos is kind of the odd one out there. He's not really playing as much as we thought with West Ham. He's getting about 20 minutes at the end of games. And he hasn't got the start in the Premier League yet. He's been starting in the uh, in, in Europe. And I thought he'd get a start in the Premier League by now, but it hasn't happened. So he's kind of the obvious one to get rid of there. Now, it might come, to, come back to bite you in the arse, but at the same time, you can't just keep holding on to players. How long... Do you hold on to a player? It's it's if we could if we knew that question in FPL, we'd be, be all geniuses. But I probably target kudos there, and I'd look towards some of the waivers that I'm going to suggest at the end of the podcast. The rest of them: James or Prowse, Madison, Enzo. Okay, good. Grealish will get returns when he plays, but they have a tough run of fi- fixtures. So maybe you want to do a Grealish trade with one of your defenders to get a decent midfielder or maybe improve your defender and then waiver kudos that'd be kind of my two cents if i'm looking at that midfield right at the top nearly at the top of the fixture ticker is spurs and they play luton fulham and palace i think nearly everyone has got madison or son in their normal fpl and for good reason one of the questions was asked was should i trade out zuma for dallo or varan or van de Ven? Now, obviously a lot of Spurs assets are going to be taken, so if you do get a trade like this, this is probably one of the only ways into the Spurs team. First of all, Zoom is a good pick, but I know they play a couple of tough fixtures before they go into that nice run. If I had the option of Van de Ven, I would definitely take it. Again, United, yes, they have good fixtures, but they're so up and down. Van de Ven over the next three fixtures would be very, very valuable. 
Now, if you want to go back to Zuma then after the three fixtures, that'd be a good little rotation. But I definitely go Van de Ven over Zuma, Zuma, Dello and Varane. I think over the next two game weeks, I'd love him. Obviously, I'd love any of the Spurs back four. I'd probably put them in order of Paro, Doji, Van de Ven or Romero in that order if you wanted to look at them. But definitely, they have a 44% chance at a clean sheet this week against Luton. I thought it'd be higher. But if you're in and around the 40s, you are flying it. And if it doesn't go your way, what can you do? It's 44%. If we look at some of the waivers, the waiver watch, we are going to talk about one in particular, who I will leave to the end. But the other one is Johnson. And Johnson is expected back, I think, in two weeks' time. Again, if he comes back and gets into that Spurs team, he could be a good option. Now, I'm just thinking, as I say it, the other person that I'm thinking of might be in his position. If Son goes out in the wing and Kulisevsky keeps his place and Madison obviously keeps his place, Johnson mightn't be as valuable. So I suppose we have to monitor the other player over the next couple of weeks to see will Johnson get his chance. I think Johnson will get his chance anyways. New signing, um, looks energetic, looks like a good footballer and will help Spurs on the press. I think that he will get his chance. So Johnson, if you wanted to go very early, might be a good option. Our second from top is Palace. We talked about how they're going to be hindered by Eze. Eze out for around six weeks. So I wouldn't go from any of their attacking options. I think he makes them tick. Olise out. He's out. Zaha's gone. Uh, Edward's supposed to be injured. So you're left with the likes of Ayu. And Ayu's great when he's playing around Zaha and Eze and all them good players. But by himself, I wouldn't be relying on him. I've had him many times and he's done well. But Ayu by himself, I don't know. Just not for me. Now, they do have a 40% chance at a clean sheet. And as we said, if you're in and around 40%, late 30s, early 40s, you're never going to get higher than 50. That's always a good option. They're playing Forest this week, and although they have some good attacking options, if you want to play the statistics, 40% is not bad. So if you want to go for one of the defenders, the like of, likes of uh, Mitchell and Ward, they're going to be available. Gay might be available. Anderson won't be now because he's. I think he's still the highest scoring defender in FPL. So he won't be available. But if you wanted to take a chance at that 40% clean sheet, mightn't be a bad option. On to top of the list. Villa are top of the fixture ticker for the next five games. They play Wolves, West Ham, Luton and Forest, followed by Fulham. So obviously Watkins, talk of the town, Derby, talk of the town, all these players are going to be taken. A lot of the top players cash martin is all going to be taken so a lot of the villa players that i'm going to talk about are on the waiver so we might as well go to there next up is our waiver section as always our waiver stats are taken from draft fc and we rank them from 0 to 10 percent availability 10 to 25 25 to 50 50 to 75 and then 75 plus punts so we usually give around five in each section. There's definitely going to be someone in here that's going to improve your team in some way, shape or form, whether it's short term or long term. How we pick these are the same as always through fixtures. Number one, then we look at the stats. We watch the games and look at key stats from different players and the positions they get in and then followed by the eye test. If they're doing things on the pitch that aren't picked up by stats or maybe they're taking up good positions. Well, that is also going to make a big difference in our selection. So last week we had some great results, as I said, from 10 to 25. So the first two sections, only two players blanked. As we go down the percentage availabilities, obviously they're going to be less likely to return, but more available to get in your team. So let's get into it and hopefully we can find some gems for your team this week and for the foreseeable. First up is our 0 to 10% waiver availability. Top of the list, available in around 6% of leagues, this is all based on 12-man leagues, is Colwell. And I know he had a bit of a haul at the weekend, it's very easy to pick him, but again, they're playing Burnley this week and he's available in 6% of leagues. Chilwell's injury, him playing very good at left-back, he's going to be a shoe-in for Chelsea and a very high probability of a clean sheet. Konza is available in around 8% of leagues. As we said, Villa are top of that fixture ticker, so... Any player from Villa at all that we think is going to get the majority of the minutes is going to be a fantastic option. Konza is available in 8% and I'd definitely be going for him if you're looking for a good defender. That Spurs asset that I was talking about, Richarlison, is 10% available. 
they play Luton away. He's actually been playing very well over the last couple of game weeks, so I think he's going to get the start again. And I never thought I'd be giving him a waiver suggestion this year at all. But I actually want to see him do well, so Richarlison as an attacking option against Luton could be a great option. DCL banged at the weekend and he's around 10% available as well. He plays Bournemouth and again I said I don't have much faith in Everton at all but DCL can score in majority of matches and it could be the difference for Everton. So if DCL is available in your league after the weekend I'd be picking him up. Last in our 0-10% availability is Pascal Gross. Now I know he is flagged and he is injured I think I, don't, I think he's on a red flag anyways he has two tough fixtures coming up and flagged so we'll go under the radar I think he is 10% available and I think they play Liverpool and City as I said earlier but he's going to be back after that they have a very good run he's on dead balls he's on penos when Joe Pedro's not on the pitch and he's getting fairly advanced also one of the more nailed people or players for Brighton which doesn't come very often this year. So Pascal Gross could be a little cheeky one if your team is set up very well. On to 10 to 25% availability. Again, Villa defender Pautara is available in around 14% of leagues. All the same reasons, as I said, you should pick up Konza. Andres Pereira, mentioned a couple of weeks back, didn't return, but hopefully this week will change. Andres Pereira is around 16% owned and he is on dead balls. Andres Pereira hasn't really got going yet but I think in the future and when Fulham start returning he is going to be central to that they're playing Sheffield at home and if you're not targeting Sheffield at home I don't know what you're doing with the game so Andres along with a couple of other players that I'm going to mention are good options this week Mason Mount is that illustrious United waiver that I was talking about he's available in around 20% of leagues now United have been disappointing, Mount has been disappointing, but if you're looking for a player that is playing for a relatively big team, that has good fixtures and possibility of high trade value, Mount could be the man. He's whipping in a couple of frees and corners as well, so if United start going through the aerial route, he could maybe get a few returns. Again, I wouldn't be relying on him too much, but if you want some way into that United team for the fixtures, Mount is not a bad option. He's also getting a lot further forward than he did in the first two games, so... It might improve his probability of returning. Decore is available in around 24% of leagues. Highly, highly wavered last week and returned. My guy Decore never lets you down when you need him. He's playing Bournemouth this week, but it might be his last hurrah. I know Everton have a couple of tough fixtures and we were targeting the last one and this one mainly. So if you got him in, you can hold him for this game week and then possibly maybe have to waver him out again, unfortunately. Diop is available in 25% of leagues and as we said Fulham are playing Sheffield they have a 45% chance at a clean sheet and if you're not taking those odds then you're not playing the game right so if you're looking for a Fulham defender Diop, Ream um, we'll have a couple more in the future Castagne is down in the 25 to 50% he's 33% available and he is probably the pick of them he's getting very far forward so on the ground Castagne is the best option in the air the likes of um, Reem or Diop are good options. So since we've started off um, or already got into the 25 to 50% category, might as well continue. Soufal is 27% available. Now I know they play Newcastle next, but then West Ham go on a very, very good run of fixtures. They play Villa, mightn't be the best, but could get attacking returns. Then Everton, Brentford, Forest, Burnley, Palace, Spurs, Fulham, Wolves. So in the next like 10, they have like 5-6 games that you could be looking towards a clean sheet. And we know Soufal has been very attacking this year, so could be a great option to bring in. And if you got him last week, I'd probably hold. Matip, as we said, is available in around 31% of leagues. And we gave all the reasons earlier on. Liverpool have a very good run of fixtures. They also look a bit more sure now that they're kind of getting a team settled. Trent should be back. Matip has kind of kept his place. So hopefully from now on, Liverpool will be more probable in keeping, keeping clean sheets. Matip might be the answer for that. Bali is available in around 4% of leagues. And he's playing Palace. And as I said, Palace don't have, don't have very many attackers that look like they're going to score. Especially with Eze out. So 
if you want Bolly, if you want Aurea, one of them um, Forest Defenders, they could be good options for this week just because of Palace Palace's injuries woes. Palace's injury woes. It's like a tongue twister. Right. Last for the 50% is Enzo. 43% availability. As I said, he's on dead balls. He missed a big chance at the weekend. Great touch, but Leno was over very quickly. He racked up a 0.55 XGI. I think I said 5.4 earlier on, but 0.55 XGI. And I would say, based on his statistics, he's one of the biggest underperformers, maybe apart from Darwin, this year. Now, stats don't relate to FPL points, unfortunately. But eventually, they're going to level out. So I think Enzo is a good option for this week against Burnley. And even, see, the thing about someone with dead balls, even if they're playing a poor team or they have penalties, they have a chance of returning. Now, I'm not saying Enzo's the answer, but he is a very good option if Chelsea start to improve. On to our second last section, which is our 50 to 75%. Aguard for West Ham. Again, playing Newcastle, but after that, they have that lovely run of fixtures. If you want some way into that West Ham defence, he could be the option. Vinicius for Fulham. Has to get the start. Has to. Raul Jimenez got whipped after 53 minutes and had one shot off target. That's all he had. Vinicius had a 0.25 XGI. Three shots, two off target, one on target. I don't know how much... It's not that Vinicius is playing very well, but Raul Jimenez is just playing so poor that Vinicius has to get a shout. So he's available in 61% of leagues. Could be a nice little punt. And maybe a way into that Fulham side if he starts or continues to... um, well, I presume he's going to start and then continues to start, hopefully. The man that's on everyone's lips, Jacob Ramsey. 70, sorry, 64% available. Now, last week we said, will he start? You'll probably have to keep him on the bench. Came on, banged. Looks like he could be in that Villa side for the foreseeable. Now, there's still definitely going to be rotation. So I wouldn't be thinking Ramsey is the total answer to all your questions or all your problems. But he's going to be a savage improvement to your team. Villa have top of the fixture, or they are top of the fixture ticker. Ramsey banged one, so his confidence is back. Villa look like they could score five against anyone these days. So Ramsey, I would be putting very high on my waiver this week. Another player we talked about, Cucurella for Chelsea. They are playing Burnley this weekend. And Gusto is still injured. So Cucurella played a right back, even though he's a left back. And played very good by all accounts. I watched the highlights and I didn't see too much of Cucurella. But if you watch the 90, apparently he was very, very good and held his own right back. So I'll probably get another another nod right back this weekend. And against Burnley, you like those odds. Another little hidden gem for Wolves that I mentioned earlier that I would talk about is He Chang Wang. Now he has four goals this season. If you look up the top scorers of the Premier League it's like Haaland Salah <laughs> He Chang Wang he just has sneaked his way in there somehow and I think he's going to start for Wolves for the foreseeable just because well what more can he do um, he is playing Aston Villa and then Bournemouth we know they have that kind of fixtures where it's on off on off but again if you want someone that's playing um, or down as midfielder and playing a bit higher up the pitch maybe as a winger and he's on good form in terms of goal scoring, it could be a good option. If we talk about our punts, and this is our final section of the podcast, these are players that are highly available in majority of leagues. 75% availability and over. So they should be available on the majority of waivers. Does it mean that they're the best or worst options? It just means that people haven't been picking them up. And maybe there could be some hidden gems in here. I see one or two players that I'm very surprised have this high, as high a percentage availability. First on the list is Palmer. He has 76% available. Got the start for Chelsea. Again, might be a rotation risk at the weekend if Sterling comes back, but got the assist. I still think he'll play some minutes and they're playing Burnley. So if you think he's going to get the start, if Broja is in fact injured, Palmer could be a very good option. I don't think he plays the 90, so the probability is limited but still looked like he could be dangerous. Suchek is 76% available as well. Now again, Newcastle next week, but he performed fantastically against Sheffield. It's six shots in the box and was highly, highly involved in a lot of the attacking phases. As we know, even if they're not, he has a probability of scoring a header. 
just because of James Ward-Prowse. So Suchek, I'll be putting him down. I tried to get him last week, didn't get him, and he returns. So Suchek for the foreseeable, for a kind of a, a long-term, medium-term punt, is a very good option. Gallagher for Chelsea is nailed. We've talked about him a lot, about how he's just guaranteed minutes, guaranteed nearly a two or three pointer. He's playing Burnley and at the weekend he was very unlucky not to get even two assists. He should have got one if not two. Gave the ball to Broja. Broja tried to take around the keeper and skied it. Another one he squared it back and Matson hit the post. So Gallagher could have came away with some nice points there at the weekend but come away, comes away with his usual two or three pointer. But if you want some way into that Chelsea side for this weekend, just this weekend, Gallagher is nailed. Talked about these players, a couple of them. Billing is 79% available and I'd be picking him out of them available players for Bournemouth as probably one of the most probable to return just because of set pieces and the size of them. Bournemouth aren't the best attacking side, but if you want him for them three nice fixtures in a row, could be a good option. Our final two suggestions are both Fulham players, Wilson and Willian. Willian is now starting left wing for Fulham, nailed, and we know what he's done in the past. Very attacking, exciting player, and they have some good fixtures this weekend. Fulham are playing Sheffield, and again, we should attack Sheffield and Luton at all costs this season, until something changes. Wilson, again, wicked from a dead ball, corners, free kicks, so a good option or good route to points. And then, as I said, William, very exciting and nailed. So for the punt section, we had six players. The rest of them, we had five. That's 26 players that we have suggested this weekend. Now, inevitably, they're not all going to return, but they're all great options and they all have good fixtures, stats and eye tests. So a lot of these players pass all three, some of them only maybe two and possibly some of them only one. But you're going to definitely improve your team by picking and searching through these based on what your team needs. So don't just go getting a Konza for the sake of it if you have five very good defenders or vice versa. Look at what your team needs the most and improve on that position. That's always the best way to reap more reward on the waivers. Improving where you need it most. Not just improving because you think the player you're bringing in will score a lot of points. You need to make sure that the points they score is going to be more than the player you wavered out. I did it myself in this uh, this week's FPL. I took a minus four to get rid of Saka and Colwell. And by the time the weekend was over, I thought I did a great option. But it turns out that I actually lost points. And although I brought in two very good players, it actually didn't benefit me from taking the hit. So, unless you are confident that these players are going to outscore your players... Over the next five game weeks, don't jump the gun. Assess what you need and assess what your team needs to improve on or where it needs to improve on, more importantly. So as always, we appreciate every comment that is sent in. Everything good or bad, indifferent, send them in. Any questions whatsoever, we'll try and answer them each week and hopefully, hopefully, they all go right. So until next week, Draft Duo out.